Philippians chapter 2. I want to read the first five verses together tonight, and we'll stand and do that in reverence to the Word of God. Philippians chapter 2. I'm going to read verses 1 down through verse 5. It says, If there be therefore any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels and mercies, fulfill ye my joy, that ye be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Let nothing be done through strife or vain glory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of other. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for tonight. I thank you for each and every a person who's taken the time on a Sunday night, a beautiful Sunday night, to come and gather together around your word. Father, I pray that, uh, Lord, your word would go out tonight. And I know it will not return void, but I pray that our hearts and our, our ears would be open to receive the truth you have for us. Lord, as we uh, look at the topic very closely related to last week, I pray that um, our hearts would be uplifted and they'd be drawn closer to you. Father, I ask this all in Jesus' precious name. Amen. You may be seated. My notes are a little bit disorganized, and you'll have to forgive me for that tonight. But in Philippians chapter 2 and verse number 5, we are told to let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. And if you'll notice, the first four verses talk greatly about humbling ourselves. And if you'll go further in this chapter of Philippians, you'll also see that uh, verses 6 down through verse number 8 tell us that Jesus Christ also humbled himself in a great fashion and uh, how important that is. And folks, the mind of Christ is something we desperately need. Without it, we will not be able to withstand the, the frustrations, the, the affairs of this world. And I want you tonight to grab hold of the simple truth to let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. If you've got your Bibles, go with me to Proverbs in chapter 4. Proverbs in chapter 4. Last week we talk, talked about at great length being men and women of right thinking and gave you a handout and talked about uh, the, 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 the biblical method of thinking. I don't believe in the power of positive thinking. I believe in the power of right thinking and understand what that means. The power of positive thinking says I think I can and the power of right thinking says I can through Christ and understand that. And Folks, it's not a matter of if we can serve God. It's not a matter if we can do right. It's a matter of just claiming the victory that's already been offered to us in Jesus Christ and then going out and accomplishing that in his blessed name. Proverbs chapter 4 and verse Number uh, 20, uh, uh, 23, it says, Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. Once again, keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. Now, we, we talked a lot last week about how the mind and the heart are very closely related, and they are. Um, and I want you to understand that. Too many times we are... Um, we're trying to divide the two. and Well, my heart wants to serve God, but my mind doesn't. No, I'm going to tell you right now, the reason you're not serving God is because you're not thinking about serving God. The reason you're not thinking about doing right is because, or the reason you're not doing right is because you're not thinking about doing right. And you need to understand that. But this week, I don't want to go so much into that. We talked about that a lot last week. This week, I want to talk about how to think properly or what to think properly. Um, and so I'm going to give you some things, and I'm going to do my best to, to make every one of these as biblically based as I can. I've got a lot of verses here, got a lot of notes, and I'm going to do my very best to, to give those to you. But here in, in uh, Proverbs chapter 4 and verse 23, we're told to keep our heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. Now, number one this evening, 
What do we need to do to have a mind that is thinking right, to have a heart that is meditating on the right things? Number one tonight, what we need to do is we need to put the Word of God in. We need to put the Word of God in. If you've got your Bibles, go to Psalm chapter 119. Psalm in chapter 119. Psalm chapter 119, by the way, biggest book in the Bible, and it talks the entire psalm talks about the word of God, the precepts of God, the commandments of God, uh, the, the, the laws of God, and, the, and just understand that. But psalm chapter 119, verse number 9, it says, Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way by taking heed thereto according to thy word? With my whole heart have I sought thee. O let me not wander from thy commandments. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. The first thing that we need to do as far as our minds are concerned are we need to inundate them with the Word of God. We've just got to force the Word of God in. One of the things, folks, that we lack in our lives, um, over in the book of Hosea in chapter 4, I believe it's verse number 6, it says, My people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. And that isn't talking about worldly knowledge. It's talking about biblical knowledge. And tonight, the people of God are being destroyed because we have a lack of biblical knowledge. We don't know how to combat the forces of Satan. That's a sad thing. You see, the Bible gives us the answers. The Bible gives us the methods on how to defeat and to conquer Satan in our lives. He gives us that ability. The problem is many of us don't know what the book says. And i got to tell you tonight, we need to, we need to let our hearts be convicted with this truth. Because if I'm going to think right, the only thing i got to think right is the Word of God. It says, wherewithal, Psalm 119, verse number 9, wherewithal shall a young man, a young woman, an old man, an old woman cleanse their ways? By taking heed thereto according to the word of God. If you are not going to put the word of God into your mind, I'm going to tell you right now, you have no ability to do right. Because to do right, you got to think right. And if you're not going to put the word of God that is right into your mind, you're not going to think right, therefore you're not going to act right. Did I go too fast for you? See, this is such a necessary truth. And folks, tonight, many so-called Christians, they claim the blood of Jesus Christ, are living in sin. And I'll tell you why they're living in sin. Because they do not take heed according to the Word of God. Jump microphones on you here, Leo. They're not getting it with me just standing here. Folks, you've all heard the statement, sin will keep you from this book or this book will keep you from sin. And what I'm afraid is happening is in Christianity, and I'm not talking about the lost, dying, godless world. I'm talking about Christianity, people that claim the name of Jesus Christ. They are walking through life and they are living their own way, doing what what is right in their own eyes, going by their own feelings, by their own emotions, and they're living a life that is not pleasing to God. And I'll tell you why they're doing that, because they don't know. Put the Word of God in. Put the Word of God into your heart. Why do we need to read it even, and let me, let me say this, how, how many have ever read, read the Bible and not understood exactly what it meant? Okay, it, it, that's pretty much everybody unless you're not paying attention, okay? But can I tell you why you read it even when you don't completely understand it? Because it speaks to your spirit. See, inside of me, the born-again believer lives the Holy Spirit of God. 
He indwells me. The Bible says that He teaches me and He guides me into all truth. Now in my spirit dwells the Holy Spirit. Now I'm going to tell you right now, folks, that is a person of the Trinity, a part of the Godhead. And that Holy Spirit that it's inside of me, He understands every single word of the book perfectly. Now I'm very thankful about something. I am very thankful when the Holy Spirit came in that He didn't say, let me show you every single thing in your life that's messed up. Because you know what I would have done? Spontaneously combusted. Poof! I couldn't have handled it. But what the Holy Spirit of God is going to do as you read the book is He is going to begin to push on certain areas of your life and He's going to hit certain pressure points and He's going to say, that is what you need to change. You see, the Holy Spirit understands that. It's, it's, it's an infant being fed cereal and milk. My, my children, got, you got those little jars of baby food. Have you folks ever tasted one of those? All right, on purpose? After you were a baby? Avery, you got to do it at Badger Camp, didn't you? No, you didn't get to do it at Badger Camp? Man, we do that at Badger Camp. In years past, we have a gross food eating contest. And you ought to see kids' faces as they eat those green beans that are in that little baby food jar. And they put that in there. And, and you know, I got to tell you, as an adult, we make them do it because it's funny. But if you've ever had to do that, it's not very funny. That's some nasty stuff. But do you know why you nourish a child with that? So they grow. Now, I don't know about your kids, but you know what my kids like? Nine, six, and three? Candy and Kool-Aid and soda pop. They do, don't they? And you say, oh, they, they acquire a taste for those bad foods. Brother, I'm going to tell you this. You give a kid soda pop. I remember the first time my little girl got soda pop. We were on vacation in Wisconsin Dells. We'd gone there, and, and my wife had ordered a water, and, 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 and she was letting Audrey drink out of that water. The waitress had brought Sprite. And we were wondering why my little one-and-a-half-year-old daughter was just cranking that thing down. Because they like that stuff. I mean, we just like the things that make us feel good. The problem is most of those things are not very beneficial for our health. Now, they do a great deal for your waistline, but for your overall health, they don't do very much. Don't worry, I'm not getting into gluttony. I'm going to steer clear of that tonight. I ate a big lunch today, so not preaching on my sin. But see... The cereal and the milk, the meat and the milk, they help us to grow properly, even if it's not completely preferred or understood. You say, Mom, how many of you, as, as a child, had to eat your spinach, or had to eat your green beans, or had to eat those things, and you say, oh, I don't like that, and you had to eat the, the, they were good for you. They nourished your body. They helped you, and so you go to the Word of God, and you read it, and you study it, and you meditate it, uh, even when you don't completely understand it, because it's doing something in your heart. It's doing something in your life. It's helping you to grow properly. You see, the Holy Spirit takes God's Word and, and places it in our lives as needed. It helps us to grow in areas that we do not fully comprehend. And I hope you understand that. There have been things that I look back on in my Christian life that I got from God's Word, and at the time, I didn't even know I got it. But boy, all of a sudden, I needed it, and it was there. And man, was I thankful it was there. That was the Holy Spirit of God that had helped me to grow more maturely. And so, as far as the battle of the mind is concerned, the first thing we need tonight is to place the Word of God 
into our lives. What does reading God's word do for our spirit? Let me give you a few things. According to Psalm chapter 119, verse number 9 through 11, it cleans us out. Okay? It's, it's kind of like taking one of them big strainers and, 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 and just dumping your life through it. The Holy Spirit of God is going to catch those impurities and pull them out of your life. That's what the Word of God is going to do. It's going to push you through that, and it's going to say, this is an area that is wrong. This is an area that needs to be fixed. This is something that needs to be changed in your life, so it cleans us out. Secondly, reading God's Word brings stability. Brings stability. Psalm chapter 119 and verse number 89. It says, forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. It says, forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. Do you know what the only unchangeable thing I have in my possession tonight is? The word of God. The word of God. There's nothing I have in this life that doesn't change. Do you know that relationships change? Even good, solid ones change. Man, you might be married for for 25, 30, 40, 50, 60 years, but you know what's going to happen? Someday that relationship is going to change. The Lord, Lord's going to take one of you to heaven. You, you say, well, well, I have a great relationship with my children. One of these days, God's either going to take you or going to take your child. Those relationships are going to change. Everything in this life, your job is going to change. Your church is going to change. I remember going from the pews to the chairs. That was a change, amen? That was hard on some of you. That tack, see, everything in this life changes except one thing. The Word of God. That's it. That's it. That's all we've got. And so what the Word of God does is it brings stability to our lives. Do you understand that what God said is right 2,000 years ago hasn't changed to today? Can I talk? That's called stability. (laughs) Okay, that's a solid foundation you can build your life on. You can't name me any. I mean, folks, come on. We say, oh, God bless America. I love America. But I'm going to tell you something. This whole country has changed a lot in 235 years. It has. And everything that we hold dear to in this life changes. And so don't you dare allow anything else to be the anchor for your soul. If you want a steady mind, a stable mind, you need to go to the only place in your life that has stability. It's the Word of God. Forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. From eternity past to eternity future, God's word will not change. Folks, do you know God doesn't change his views no matter what the culture says? Do you understand that? I mean, we can talk about homosexuality, but let let me jump a whole lot back, back further. How about fornication? You see, our culture, fornication is no big deal anymore. Well, they're in love. No, 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 that's wrong. That's sin. Whoa, 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 whoa. But but, but everybody's doing it. It's wrong. It's sin. Do you you understand? It doesn't matter what everybody says or everybody does. See, God's word says this is what's right and this is what's wrong. It doesn't matter what you say. It doesn't matter what the culture says. It's what God said, and that will never, ever change. Understand that. And by the way, folks, if we want to change our country and we want to get this homosexual thing back where it ought to be, Okay, maybe some of these Chris, some of us Christians ought to get this fornication thing back where it ought to be. I'm sorry, but you can't say you're wrong while you're living in that other type of sin. It's all sexual sin to God. 
And I'm weary of it. See, we, we, we point a finger and we're as guilty as they are. It's wrong. It's sin. And God does not change. And boy, tonight, if you want stability, go to the Word of God. So why does, uh, what does God's, uh, reading God's Word do for our spirit? Number one, it cleans us out. Number two, it brings stability. Number three, it gives proper counsel. Proverbs chapter 15. I want to give you a few verses here tonight. Proverbs chapter 15 and verse number 22. I also want to explain a concept that's very misunderstood today. Proverbs chapter 15 and verse 22. It says, without counsel, purposes are disappointed, but in the multitude of counselors, they are established. Chapter 11, verse number 14. They'll all say very similar things, but it says, where no counsel is, the people fall, but in the multitude of counselors, there is Safety. Proverbs chapter number 24 and verse number 6. For by wise counsel thou shalt make thy war, and in multitude of counselors there is safety. Now I want you to understand something tonight. This verse is great. These three verses are greatly misunderstood. What we think this means is I'm going to make a major decision in my life. And I know what I want to do. So I'm going to go talk to Mike Reed. And Mike Reed does not tell me exactly what I want to hear, so I go to Mike Roseboro. And Mike Roseboro tells me something else, so I go to Mike Hager. Boy, look at that. Mike, Mike, Mike. All right? Mike, check. All right? Mike Hager tells me something a little different. Then I go over here to George Schrick, and I ask George, well, what do you think? And then I go to, to Roger, and I say, what do you think, Roger? And I go to Jim, and I say, what do you think, Jim? And, and, and then I formulate all of their opinions, and I make my own decision like I was going to do in the first place. Do you know that's what most people think that verse means? That's not. That's not, because you're doing what's right in your own eyes. What that verse means, folks, here, let me explain something to you. As far as counsel is concerned, I have 66 books that all agree. You understand what's, that's what the Bible is? It is 66 separate books that never at one time disagree on anything. See, that multitude of counselors, what it means is I have these men in my life. I have Mike, I have Mike, I have Mike, I have George, I have Roger, I have Matt, and I put them in my life, and I put them at various areas to hold me accountable. I don't go to Mike and say, well, Mike, thank you, but I don't like your opinion. Um, Jesse, let me try you. That is the dumbest thing I've ever heard of. You don't go to someone for counsel until you find someone for counsel that tells you what you want to hear. That's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible's saying, see, you need to have counselors that agree. I can't find any other better place in this book. Because for 66 books, from Genesis to Revelation, it doesn't disagree. Do you know that if you find a truth in Genesis, the truth is the same in Hebrews? <laughs> Do you understand that? People say, well, what about the law and grace? Do you know that Jesus did not annihilate the law? He fulfilled the law? Do you understand that? You say, well, well, I don't understand that, Pastor. You don't need to understand it. Just take my word for it tonight. I'll show you after the service if you don't get it. But what I need you to grab hold of is, folks, the Bible gives us proper counsel. Something you find in the book of Proverbs for counsel, you can also find in the book of Matthew. It doesn't change. And so understand tonight, you're going to get good counsel from this book. That's why if you find something to do in the Bible that is right and that is godly and that is proper and that is in context, understand that, Okay. Do it, because it's good counsel. Now, we need to get the Bible into our lives. There's some standards that need to be properly placed to guard against Satan, and especially our flesh. The first thing we have to do that with is the Word of God. 
Secondly, what we need to do is we need to put prayer in there. Prayer. If you say, well, pastor, these are basic Christian things. I understand that. But this is how to win the battle of the mind. We're losing it. Christians, we're losing it. We don't have a knowledge of the Word of God, number one. Number two, we need to put prayer in there. In 1 Thessalonians, in chapter number 5, we are told to pray without what? Ceasing. Pray without ceasing. Now, if you got your Bibles, go to Isaiah chapter 26. Isaiah in chapter number 26. Isaiah chapter 26 and verse number 3, it says, Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace whose what? Whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusteth in thee. How do you keep your mind on God? Prayer. 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 Pray without ceasing. I mean, you're going to put the Word of God in there, and you're going to memorize it, and you're going to meditate it, and you're going to think about it, but let me tell you what you're going to do in your response back to God. You're going to pray. You're going to tell God how your day's going. You're going to tell God what's going on in your life. You're going to tell God about the good and the bad. You're going to tell God about the situations. You're going to tell God about the struggles. And you're going to keep your mind on Him. If you want perfect peace, then your mind must be stayed upon Jehovah. And I wish we'd understand that tonight. Folks, do you, do you, I want to say something here tonight, and please don't misunderstand it. But prayer doesn't change things. Prayer changes people. Now, I know God does incredible things, and please don't misunderstand that. Don't, don't think that God can't change things. But what prayer changes primarily is it changes the heart of the person who's praying. I mean, God does a work in that person's heart. He does a work in that person's life. And prayer does that because my mind is stayed on Him, and I have a perfect peace, and I'm able to do the things that I'm supposed to do because I'm at rest. You see, when we don't walk with Christ, we have a poor spirit. When we don't have sweet communion with Christ, we have a poor, uh, poor spirit. When we have no humility in our lives, we have a poor spirit. In most Christians' lives, their prayer is sorely lacking. Could I ask you, when's the last time you spent one hour in one day alone talking to God? You see, well, pastor, that's extreme. Not for someone whose mind is stayed upon God. You see, if I want to keep my mind focused and right, it's got to be pray without ceasing. Do you know it's hard to sin when you're praying? I'm serious. Man, you're walking into a situation, and there's somebody at work, and they get your goat, and you're mad, and you're angry, and you're about to lose your temper, and all of a sudden you drop to a knee and begin to pray. It's pretty hard to respond in a negative manner. You need to pray without ceasing. It says without ceasing. That means without stopping, okay? You need to pray about everything. We, we, you know, we pray over our food. Folks, you know we ought to pray over a lot more than just our food? For most of us, that's the only time we pray to God on a daily basis. You know, over the stomach, or over the teeth, over the gums, watch out, stomach, here it comes. Amen? In Jesus' name, bless this food. That's, that's really, that's most of our prayer life. How sad that God only hears from us at mealtime. If I want my mind to win the battle, i got to learn to pray. And i got to, folks, Jesus Christ, our perfect example, prayed constantly. He was constantly going alone into the mountains, into the gardens to pray. And he would get there and he would say, 
have communion with his heavenly father, with his father, and he would pour out his heart. And my friend, that is why Christ, that is what Christ taught us to do. And yet many of us in our lives are losing the battle of the mind because we refuse to do that. Thirdly tonight, as far as how we are to think or what we are to think, we need to be very careful of human relationships. I pulled some notes from a couple years ago, and I began to look at them. I want to give you a few verses tonight. Proverbs chapter 27 and verse number 17. Proverbs chapter 27 and verse number 17, it says, Iron sharpeneth iron, so a man sharpeneth the countenance of his friend. It says, Iron sharpeneth iron, so a man sharpeneth the countenance of his friend. The Bible talks about the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. Okay? But faithful are the wounds of a friend. A real friend is going to tell you when you're wrong. And I'm weary of people today who think that is a bad friend. No, that's a godly friend and a good friend. A good friend says, brother, I love you with all of my heart, but I think that's a bad decision. I've been praying about it, and boy, I just, I, I, I'm not trying to be judgmental. I'm not trying to be condemning, but that is a wrong. See, the Bible says that a friend sharpeneth the counsel or sharpeneth the countenance of his friend. He helps them to serve God. That's what a true friend is. And can I tell you today, most of us, the people we call friend, are not friends biblically. Take your Bibles with me to Proverbs chapter 22. I've got to go quickly tonight here, but Proverbs chapter 22 and verse number 24. The Bible says, make no friendship. It says, make no friendship. You do see that. Make no friendship with an angry man. And with a furious man thou shalt not go, lest thou what? Learn his ways and get a snare to thy soul. Do you know that your friends influence your thinking? I promise you that. Your friends influence your thinking. Human relationships will change the way you think. You say, oh no, 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 no. I will never change. Yes, you will. Yes, you will. You get the wrong people around you, and you will change. I can take you here real quickly to a couple references in the Bible. In 2 Samuel, in chapter number 13, the Bible talks about a son of David, a man by the name of Amnon. The Bible says that Amnon had a friend. You know what Amnon did because of that friend's counsel? He raped his stepsister, Tamar. 2 Samuel chapter 13, you read that chapter and you'll see that take place. Why? It all started with a wrong friendship. Do you know that why Solomon turned his heart against God? 2 Kings chapter 11 and verse 4 tell us because he had many strange wives. He allowed godless, wicked women. I could say a lot there and I'm going to go on. <laughs> to change, yeah, preach, yeah to change his heart. And folks, let me say this. Do you know what kind of man Solomon was? 
Solomon was a man who in his youth loved God, who worshipped God, who pursued God, who sought God with all of his being. He had wisdom that was divine. He had power and strength that was without match. He had everything that any man would ever want. And you say tonight, I'm a good Christian. I've been coming to church. I've been reading my Bible. I've been praying. I can have the wrong friends. No, you can't. You get into the wrong human relationship, whether it be marriage, whether it be the friends at work, the friends at play, I don't care where they are, the friends at school, and it will tear you down. Solomon, come worship with a false Solomon, come worship a false god with me. Honey, no, no, I believe in Jehovah. But Solomon, I know you don't mean it, but come with me anyway. She wore him down, and he got to a point where he worshiped many false gods. Solomon, a man of God. And I look tonight, and some of us, we're flirting with danger. We got wicked, perverse friends that are vulgar, that are vile, that are godless, and want nothing to do with you serving God, and yet you entertain them constantly. They are the people in your life that you listen to most. I'm not talking about going out to an Amish community and building our own little village where nobody's allowed in. We are to be in the world, but not of the world. But too many of us have brought the world into our homes. And we've allowed them to influence us heavily. And they're doing that right now. In 1 Kings chapter 22 and verse number 4, Jehoshaphat went to battle with Ahab. Do you know who Jehoshaphat's son married? Ahab's daughter. Help us. You say, oh, don't worry, pastor, I'll never change. Yeah, but your kids will. You say, oh, don't worry, I'm solid, I'm stable, I'm secure in my beliefs. That may be true in your life. You may just roll the dice and God might just be merciful to you, but I could think of no greater judgment than to watch my children walk away from the God I love. The Apostle John said he had no greater joy than to see that his children, spiritual children, walked in truth. The greatest joy of my life will be to see my children, Jacob and Emily and Audrey, serve God with their lives. That will be my greatest joy if God allows that to take place. And do you understand, folks? You say, well, well my, my wrong relationships, they won't affect me. But they could just grab your children and pull them out of the will of God. Do you understand the importance of that? We are playing with fire with these wrong friends. We're, we're allowing them to curse and to defy God. I grow weary of that. Man, I grow weary. I, I, I grow weary of people who will sit and just, just curse. And, uh, that, that's my language. Man, why don't you get right with God and let something happen in your heart? And that language will become a thing in your past. There's no reason for that. And you need somebody to tell you that. You need a real friend, someone that loves you, someone that cares about you. Say, shut up in Jesus' name and speak properly. Do you understand that, folks? I'm tired of it. I'm tired of this, these, these friends that are destroying our Christian lives. A true friend sharpens your character and your attitude. Friendships will make or break a lot of Christians. The type of person you associate with is the type of person you are becoming. Do you understand that? You're not going to influence them to love God but just by fellowshipping with them. You know what fellowship is? It's two fellows in the same ship. Okay? 
You say, oh, they'll, they'll learn to love God because of me. No, they won't. No, they won't. You've never thrown a good apple into a bad bunch and got good apples. Have you? Anybody tried that? It doesn't work. No, people's human nature is to go to the lowest common denominator. You, I watch this, boy. I mean, you find, you find a young person that's rebellious, and do you know where they go? The godless kids. They're instantly drawn to that. You know why? Because when they're with the godless kids, they don't feel convicted about the wickedness of their heart. They can do anything and say anything that they want, and there's no conviction. And they want nothing to do with that crowd. And we say, oh, this crowd should be kinder. They're trying. But this person over here doesn't even want to be in the same room as them. Why? Because they're rebelling against the things of God. That's why. And folks, I'm sorry, but I'm tired of watching as we say nothing. No, no, no. A friend is going to influence your thinking more than you'd ever believe. Do you know why you watch most television shows? Because somebody called you and told you what a good television show was. Hey, you got to try this program. And you do. Why? A friend influenced you. You listen to a song. You go somewhere to eat. You go somewhere on vacation. Why? Because somebody that you respected told you how good it was. That's why. I mean, folks, why do, you, why do you think all the old folks moved to Florida and Arizona? Because one of their old folks' friends said, man, there ain't nothing like it. There's no kids down there. <laughs> and you, got, you bought into it, and you tried it. And you, but, folks, I'm going to tell you right now, your friends influence your thinking. Let me just say a few things about human relationships here. Your marriage is as vital to your spirit as you could ever hope to imagine. Nothing can depress a godly person like a godless spouse. In Genesis chapter 2.24, he said, husband and wife are one flesh. He said, you are as close to any, you're as close to each other as you are to any other person. Be so careful who you marry. Young people, listen to me right now. Be so careful who you marry. And mom and dad, can I tell you this? Be so careful who, let, who you let your children date or court. You say, oh, they need to, they need to, you know, they, they, they need to go out and they need to figure it out and they need to make a few mistakes. No, they don't. Okay? Talk to a young lady here. My wife did just a few weeks ago. Young lady, and she made a terrible mistake. She's pregnant. She's 15 years old and pregnant. That's not a mistake you want. You say, what do you do? What do you recommend? They keep the child. I think they ought to adopt it out personally, but they keep the child. They don't take the child's life, one that kid's life that they did something stupid and wrong. But you don't need your kids doing that. You don't need your kids going out and living in a godless manner. Folks, do you understand that we live in a very perverse society? And do you know that your children are going to be incredibly tempted to go out and live in a manner that they've watched on television for their entire childhood? And those aren't good. You know, my little girls will watch a movie right now, and the, the hero and the heroine will kiss, and they go, ooh, with a big smile on their face. Right? Can I tell you, by the time they get to be 13, 14, 15, 16 years old, that looks pretty good? Yeah? You better be very careful, parent. You say, well, well I don't want to control my child. That's why God gave them to you in the first place. Okay, God gave them to you so you could say, no, that's stupid. <laughs> I love you, but you're, 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 you're dumb, 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 dumb. Say it in good spirit, say it in Jesus' name, but do it. They need to hear, no, you can't go out with him. He's bad for you. 
No, you can't go out with her. She's, she's not the right kind of girl. And then you explain why. Be so careful who you fellowship with. Some of you kids are looking at me like I'm the devil. <laughs> Be so careful who your kids fellowship. Your child's purity is greatly influenced by you, mom and dad. You will answer to God for how your children turned out. Do you understand that it's not the teacher's job or the preacher's job to bring your child up? It's yours. Mom and dad, it's yours. You find me a verse in here where it says it's the preacher's job to raise your kids. We'll have a conversation. You show me a verse in here where it takes a village to raise a child. Or Obama, yeah? I understand that. You say, that was political. It was. Just let it go. No, it takes two parents, a mama and a daddy, to raise kids. That's what it takes. And parents, we are neglecting our responsibility. And we're letting our kids hang out with absolute vulgarity as far as fellowship is concerned. And we understand how our, why, why, why doesn't my child want to serve God? Look who their friends are. Well, we, you, you, I, I brought them to church. <laughs> yeah, that, that's going to win out. Three, four hours a week is going to win out over 40, 50, 60 hours. No, it's not. I mean, folks, I watch some of our young people, and they're, on the, they're texting at all hours of the night. They're on their Facebook account for till, till 2 a.m. in the morning. Our kids, by the way. Okay, I'm not talking about the world's kids right now. I'm talking about our kids. It's real easy. You go on Facebook, and then it shows the time that they message someone. And you say, huh, I wonder what that young man was doing on Facebook at 2 a.m. in the morning. It's real easy. I'll show you. Come into my office after church, I'll show you. It's a lot of fun. You can spy on all sorts of people. Feel like you're James Bond, 007, going undercover. You say, Pastor, you do that to your child? Yes, I would, and I do it to your child too, just you know. <laughs> I've called parents into my office before to say, your kid's not doing something right, and I know why, and I'll show you. Folks, your friends will influence you. And I, again, I've talked a lot about kids here the last couple of minutes, but can I say adults, your friends will influence you. Your friends. You, you get around a depressed person, do you know how you generally come away? Depressed. I mean, you're just drag. You walk in the door, bright-eyed, bright I mean, just, just ready for life, bushy-tailed, and everything's going great. And all of a sudden, the most depressing person in the world meets you, and you fellowship with them, and you spend some time with them, and then you walk out wondering why you're so depressed. Your fellowship, your friend. I didn't know they'd affect me like that. They do. They do. You put yourself around the right kind of people. I, I, I've, I've talked to people and counseled people on this in my office, and I'm going to tell you right now, there are people that I love dearly that claim the name of Jesus Christ, but I have to be very careful. I don't fellowship with them too much, or I want to blow my brains out after they leave my office. I'm telling you the truth. I just cannot allow myself to be just forced with that, and I cannot go through that, or I'm just going to want to throw caution to the wind and just say, you know what, I'm tired of it. I'm, I can't do that. I have to be very careful who I fellowship with. And I'm not just talking about worldly people. I'm also talking about Christian people. 
Just because they claim the name of Jesus Christ doesn't make them a good person. It makes them a saved person. doesn't make them a good person. You do understand the difference, do you not? Just because they're saved doesn't mean that they live a sanctified life. And you've got to understand that. If I'm going to have the right kind of friends, I'm going to have people that are going in the same direction as I am. Amos in chapter 3 and verse number 3, it says, Can two walk together unless they be agreed? So that means that if I'm going to team up with Tim Kozlowski and I'm going to walk with him, Tim and I are going to have to go in the same direction. If Tim and I are not going in the same direction, one of us has to change directions. And human nature is going to go to the lowest denominator. Just is. I can't, I, I can't help you there. I know, I know we'd all like to say, oh, it won't, it won't bother me. By the grace of God, I'll stand strong. No, you won't. I mean, every single adult in this room could list off multiple names of people they have loved, people they have gone to church with, people they have read the Bible with, people they have prayed with, who have gone on a slow descent back into a wicked lifestyle. And I'll tell you where it started. It started with the wrong friends. The wrong crowd will file you as fast as anything I know of. Let me throw one last one at you. How to think properly. We said we need, number one, we need to put the Word of God in. So number two, we got to pray. we got to keep our minds stayed upon God. Perfect peace, all right? Perfect peace. Isaiah chapter 26 and verse number three. Keep your mind stayed on Him. Thirdly, I said, beware of the wrong friends. They're going to influence the way you think. Number four, be very careful of the entertainment you allow yourself to indulge in. Your entertainment will influence your thinking. We've just got a couple minutes left. I don't want to go long. But folks, Hollywood influences our thinking. We look to them for the way we dress. We look for the, to them for the way we live. We look to, to the music industry. We look to the, 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 the movie industry. We look to the, the, the entertainment business, and we model ourselves after them. Boy, you see some young fella come walking in. He's 18 years old, and he's got a brand-new dapper suit on. I'm going to tell you where he saw that. He didn't see it on a mannequin down at Kazelka's. He saw it at some award ceremony where some well-known actor walked in and had this outfit on, and he said, wow, that looks sharp. I want that. I remember when I was 16 years old, that's a long time ago, 21 years ago, 16 years, 20 years ago, 16 years old, my math is fuzzy. Do you know what was the rage then? Silk shirts. Anybody remember that? And guys, I'm not talking about girls, I'm talking about guys with silk shirts. How many owned one? And how many thought you looked absolutely awesome with it on? That's right. Fellas, do you remember years ago the knit tie with the square bottom? Was there never an uglier tie that was created? I mean, a lot of bell bottoms have been revisited. Square bottom ties will never be revisited. I mean, those were, but I had one. I remember I had a red one, and, 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 and I always tied it, and it was too short, and it'd be about here. But boy, I thought I was nifty in that. And folks, I'm going to tell you something. You get most of your style from the entertainment industry. You do. Well, I remember a couple years ago, they, they had that Pirates of the Caribbean movie, and, and uh, J Johnny Depp. Johnny Depp was the actor, and boy, everybody thought he was the coolest, and they talked about it, and they laughed about it, and they, 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 they dressed like that, and boy, all of a sudden, you start to see boys wearing eyeline makeup. You did, because he did. 
You say, well, he, he was cool. Yeah, but, but that's stupid. And folks, you got to be very careful. See, what you call entertainment is influencing the way you think. Do you know why homosexuality is so accepted today? Because our entertainment industry has shoved it down our throats. Do you know they say that homosexuals account for less than 1% of our population? Yet you watch almost any television program today, and I promise you, out of five or six main characters, one of them will be a homosexual. They account for less than 1% of our population. That's one in a hundred. Less than that. And yet that is promoted and thrust on us as normal. You go back 20 years ago, and what was the television show with John Ritter? Three's Company. You remember, pretty vulgar show for its time. But shacking up with two women, living together. Uh-huh. That was a joke. That was a comment. Do you, do you know the quickest way to get across the point is with a laugh, with a ha-ha and a jolly. And people will buy that and say, oh, it's funny. Surely there's nothing wrong with that. Yes, there is. It's out of hell. And that's what most of those things coming out of that industry are. Now, there's a few decent things out there, and I'm not against all entertainment. But what I am telling you tonight is you better be very careful what you are allowing into your mind because that is the way you are going to talk. You know many of the catchphrases we use today, do you know where they came from? Entertainment industry. <laughs> as, a, as, as a young teenager, Ted and I, we used to play this video game called NBA Jam. And they had a catchphrase on that when you'd hit three shots in a row, he's on fire. Do you know you hear that all over the place today, don't you, Sean? Every time a kid hits two shots in a row, he's on fire. Where'd you get that from? A stupid video game from 20 years ago. That's where. You say, well, it doesn't influence me. Yes, it does influence you. A lot of the catchphrases we use, a lot of the things that we go to in our minds, we saw on a movie somewhere. And folks, I could say a lot about that, and I won't. Maybe we'll pick up here next week. I don't know. We'll see what the Lord leads. But I want you to understand something tonight. If you want to guard your mind, put the Word of God in. Put the Word of God in. Put the Word of God in. Flush your system with the Word of God. All right? It is the living water. You know what the doctor tells you? When you got, when you got something that's, that's blocked, you got a kidney stone or something going wrong, he says, drink water. Drink water. Purify your system. Cleanse your system. Every health nut out there tells you to drink a ton of water. You know, drink 14 gallons of water every day. And if you drink 14 gallons of water, you'll never have the health problem. You'll never be out of the bathroom, but you'll never have a health problem. Amen? But that's what they tell So flush your system with the living water. You just flush those impurities out spiritually with the Word of God. Secondly, you pray. Learn to pray. Perfect peace if our mind is stayed on Him. Pray. Pray without ceasing. Thirdly, beware of friends. I'm not against friends. Please don't miss them. I have a lot of wonderful friends, but I'm going to tell you right now, I need to be very careful that they're going in the same direction I am. If they're not, then I have a choice. I either follow him or I follow them. If their direction isn't towards him, then biblically I just need to cut it off and say, I love you. If you ever want to walk with me again, I'm walking towards Christ. You're always welcome, but I cannot do that. Do it graciously, do it kindly, but walk towards Christ. And lastly, beware of your entertainment. Folks, we allow so much vulgarity. 
people that we'd never talk to in public, we allow into our homes via the television. I mean, I could, I could sit here and list names to you all night. These people are godless. These people are atheists. These people want nothing to do with serving God. And yet you willingly invite them in your house and you sit down and you let them teach you how to think for an hour at a time. And we wonder why we're losing the battle. Keep the heart with all diligence for out of it are the issues of life. Let's go and stand to our feet. We're going to take time for an invitation tonight. Folks, I've thrown a lot at you tonight. I wish we could have taken several weeks and gone over this, and there's so much more I have in my notes. But would you just understand that God wants us to win the battle? God wants us to think right. He wants us to meditate right in our heart. I gave you four things tonight that I believe are very biblical in nature. Would we please take them and incorporate them into our hearts. Get into the Bible. Start praying. Beware of friends, of human relationships. We all got to have them, and I'm for them. But beware. Make sure you make the right choices. Beware of your entertainment. Don't be ensnared with the affairs of this world. As the instruments begin to play, if the Lord's laid something on your heart, you come to the altar. Friend, if you're here tonight and you're without Christ, you've never made a decision to accept Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, would you during the invitation just come forward and get my attention? I'll have someone who knows the Bible show you from God's Word how you can be saved. It's the greatest decision you'll ever make. It's, it's the first step in reclaiming your mind and your heart for Christ. If any would like to see that silk shirt, it's long gone. <laughs> All right. Amen. Folks, I pray that you take some of these things to heart tonight. It is something that is plaguing us. I wish we'd incorporate these things, and I believe they'd make a difference. Brother Sean Schilling, you dismiss us tonight.